The Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents First Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, principal at Top Sales Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending the woman. Well, first up from Marketing Insider, thanks to Joshua Greenberg and Tommy Walters for an article on Gen Zers and YouTube. Now, we know uh, that YouTube is kind of the king of all platforms, especially when it comes to Gen Zers. Well, a recent study by Whistlewise found that 77% of Gen Zers really were looking for personalized and curated video recommendations as part of their viewing experience. There are some algorithms out there that are designed by social and streaming platforms that have really been working hard to learn about user behavior and to serve up new content. Well, Gen Z saying, yeah, that's great. Right on. I understand that that's happening. Feel free to send it my way. So while they still love to try to discover videos, 55% of Gen Zers say that they actually prefer recommendations to come directly from the platform like YouTube or Netflix over what's being shared via their family and friends. This is really refreshing for those of us out there that are always worried about it being too overt and needing to come more from a third party as a recommender. So the good news is you can go direct to Gen Z. They really appreciate that. And they have a high affinity uh, for those recommendations to come straight from the platform because the platform has taken the time to understand what they're binging. So good to know. Our purse profile today is the Bumblebag Mama. This is a mother of a newborn, late 20s of early 30s, stay-at-home, part-time employee at the very most, and she's very interested in interior design, healthy foods, toys and games for her kid, and parenting magazines, as you can imagine. She is uh, reading Better Homes and Gardens, parenting, working mother, um, allure in style. Um, she's watching HGTV, Nickelodeon, and Disney Channel and Food Network. Um, and she's online, those entities as well. Um, so that's where you can intersect with her. Um, and our guest today is Sydney Williams. Um, she is a woman who has had her own share of challenges in her short life. She was a former collegiate athlete and competitive skydiver, and she suddenly found herself with a type 2 diabetes diagnosis. She realized that she had some unresolved trauma related to a decades-old sexual assault. She was 70 pounds overweight, worst condition of her life, and she was like, how the heck am I going to get over this? Well, two hikes later, she found herself uh, creating Hiking My Feelings, a nonprofit that helps others who are 
equally challenged to discover the healing power of nature that can kick your self-limiting beliefs and your own disease, whether that's mental, physical, or emotional, into remission. Um, you may have seen her on the South by Southwest stage, also um, quoted in Huffington Post, Psychology Today, U.S. News and World Report, and other numerous publications. She's also the author of a book by the same name, Hiking My Feelings, Stepping, Stepping into the Healing Power of Nature. She's going to be on the show today talking about what she's learned through her own journey and how she's helping others with her organization, Hiking My Feelings. So stick around. Sydney Williams joins us after the break. First Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. LPO, Landing Page Optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology, and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the Conversion Scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back. My guest today is Sydney Williams. Sydney is the author of Hiking My Feelings, a new book, and also the founder of Hiking My Feelings, which allows others to tap into mind-body connection and the healing power of nature that helped kick her own self-limiting beliefs and her type 2 
diabetes diagnosis into remission. Uh, Sydney's a former college athlete and competitive skydiver. So yeah, talk about being on the edge right there, Sydney. I'm impressed with the skydiving part. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you on. So tell us uh, just kind of broadly the type of work you do with Hiking My Feelings. Hiking My Feelings is a nonprofit organization that is on a mission to improve community health by creating opportunities for folks to explore and experience the healing power of nature for themselves. So the way we work towards that mission is through our events, education, and advocacy. And last year, we toured the United States in our 1998 Chevy van, (laughs) and we did um, 64 storytelling events and hosted 69 hikes around the United States to encourage people to get off the couch and onto the trail. I love it. Did you come to Minnesota by chance? I did not, but that is on our list of things to do this year. We're doing another lap around the U.S. this year, so Minnesota is happening, I hope. Awesome. (laughs) Well, you have to, I have to know when you're coming, so that's an offline conversation. I have to know when you're coming so I can, I can join your, I can join you for that. Uh, I love it. Fantastic. Well, yeah, well, I know, I know that, um, you know, hiking my feelings was really the result of your own, some of your own challenges. Um, you know, I, in reading about you, I know that, um, that you had some unresolved trauma from a sexual assault. You had found yourself kind of with an unexpected type two diabetes diagnosis. Talk a little bit about, about that and then how you turned that into hiking my feelings. Great question. So, um, (laughs) Hiking My Feelings started, like you said, as a result of me identifying that thanks to diabetes, I had shifted my coping mechanisms from eating and drinking my feelings to hiking my feelings. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of everything that we're doing here. Um, What led up to that realization was, yes, the type 2 diabetes diagnosis and a couple hikes that I did um, across Catalina Island as well. So in December 2016, I would consider that the starting point for my healing journey. I went and I hiked across Catalina Island armed with nothing but like the equipment I needed and delusional confidence that I could go walk across an <laughs> island in the worst shape I've ever been in. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So it, uh, that first hike, I was 70 pounds heavier than I am today in the worst shape of my life. I had just rolled off the couch and onto the trail after two of the hardest years of my life. And on that trip, I realized that, yes, I can do hard things. Um, That was more of a reminder because I've done a lot of hard things. Like you mentioned, I was a division one athlete in college. I was on the women's rowing team at the University of Kansas. I used to jump out of planes for fun. (laughs) Like I've done some hard things. Um, And that first hike really reminded me of that. And it also taught me that I love my body, even though I didn't recognize the body that I went across that island in in the first place. um, It got me almost all the way across an island. And I was like, okay, like I might not recognize what's going on here. I clearly the last couple of years have been hard and I had been eating and drinking my feelings um, for a while leading up to that first hike. And the second hike came after I got diagnosed with diabetes, I realized I need to make some massive life changes here. Diabetes was the biggest catalyst for change in my life. And that it was serious enough to where a medical professional was like, hi, you need to get it together but not so serious that it would completely derail my life, um, like a cancer diagnosis or something more chronic or more impactful or with a, with a more difficult management plan. So um, what happened was I got diagnosed in September 2017, which was nine months after that first hike. And as a result of that, 
diagnose this, I learned that there's four factors that affect your blood sugar, the food you eat, the medications you take, how you move your body and your stress. So I took to the first three right away, crushed it. I'm a people pleaser. And I channeled all of that energy into being the best diabetes patient my doctor's ever seen. <laughs> and I started losing weight, which was the goal for the diabetes management plan, but my blood sugar was still elevated. So I was like, okay, something's got to give. The last bucket on that quadrant is my stress. And I knew exactly where my stress was coming from. At the time I got diagnosed, I was leading email marketing for NBC Universal, and I got diagnosed the week before fall premieres. So uh, as someone in the entertainment industry, I'm sure you know, yeah. fall premiere season is bananas. So mm-hmm. not the best time to get a chronic diagnosis. Um, so I looked at what my stress was coming from. It was my job. I worked from home, classic workaholic situation. Like it was really easy for me to wake up, stop working, start working mm-hmm. and go until I passed out with my computer on my chest in bed. Right. Yeah. Relatable. Um, very, so, very. <laughs> so I, I was thinking, I was like, I was working at an agency, um, a communications firm. And I was like, okay, maybe there's some other work I could get on. Um, that would, you know, reduce my workload just so I can like get my head wrapped around what it takes to manage diabetes. And that didn't work out. Um, fall premieres, I can't just transition the account I'm leading to a new person. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we need to get through it. So um, I did all that. Uh, I tried to, you know, manage my time better. That wasn't working. And as I started thinking about like what else I could do, what other measures I could take, um, I was looking over my resume because I was like, maybe I just need a different job. And I realized that most of the stuff that I had done over the course of my career that I thought was a bragging point was actually teaching people how to numb and be sick. And I was a byproduct of the work I had been doing. Mm. So while I'm really good at making money for clients like Oscar Mayer, NBC, Intel, wine brands, like all of the industries that I had been working in, I just wanted people to like stay on the couch or drink a lot or eat things that aren't good for you. And like none of that is making you a happier, healthier human. So I ended up leaving that agency job, six-figure salary, cushy benefits, unlimited time off, and like the best boss I've ever had to join my friend's startup because her startup was rooted in women's empowerment and social justice. Now, I knew that leaving corporate America to join a startup wouldn't be the easiest transition, and I did not expect that to be a stress reducer, but I figured if I'm doing work that I can like get behind and I, I know is making the world a better place, then maybe the stress will be worth it. So I joined my friend's startup immediately started having panic attacks like almost every day sometimes twice a day Mm. and that was going on for the entire time that I worked there and I woke up in May and I was like this was back in 2018 I was like I can't do this anymore like I don't know what's next I just left my really nice job to come here um I was the breadwinner and leaving this job would mean that we don't have any other like sustainable income Mm -hmm. coming in but I couldn't keep putting my life and my health at risk that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my blood sugar levels were skyrocketing to numbers that I hadn't seen since I was first diagnosed. And I was like, I can't do this. So I left the startup after 95 days. And it was on a training hike outside of San Diego for my second hike on the trans Trail, where I connected the dots between the coping mechanisms and how diabetes had helped me shift them. And so that's how Hiking My Feelings was born, was on that training hike after all of those things. <laughs> Wow, the big light bulb went off, right? And finally, right? You connected the dots and went, oh, yeah, that this is what I need to be doing. So at that point, yeah, you kind of created this to share your story with others who were struggling with some of the same issues, it sounds like. So 
you know, as you've worked with people um, and shared your own story, I'm curious, you know, what does keep people from being able to connect those dots that you connected after, you know, 80 miles and two hikes? Like what, what is keeping people from figuring it out? I mean, if anybody out there is struggling the way I was, the thing that was holding me back was the stories I've been telling myself my entire life. And some of those things are things that I've internalized from other people, their projections, their insecurities, their fears, their expectations for how I should live my life, stuff from media and movies and books and all the things you read that tell you, you know, you've got to be stick thin with blonde hair, white skin blue eyes, you know, to be valuable in American culture and society as a woman, like I had just internalized all of those things. And I was telling myself some really bad, crappy stories. And the second that I started identifying where these stories were coming from, and I call it unpacking my trauma pack, that's when I was able to really dig in and do the work. Because not only did I identify that I had shifting my coping mechanisms before that second hike, but I wanted to know, like, where did the coping mechanisms come from? Why was I eating and drinking my feelings to begin with? And the second hike is the one that answered that question. And that's what helped me connect the dots between the sexual assault and how it had manifested in my mind and body is mental health issues like panic attacks and physical health issues like type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. So as you've worked with others um, to try to help them kind of come to these resolutions and take control of their lives and, and heal themselves through nature, have you found that women maybe more than men have these self-limiting beliefs or do you feel like it's kind of an equal opportunity situation? I think it's an equal opportunity situation. I will say that I think women are more aware of the limiting beliefs that they have or it's easier to see why because women are so sexualized in Mm -hmm. media and especially around body image and stuff like that. I think it's more easily identifiable as a woman to identify these limiting beliefs but men have them too, like the, the, these notions that you can't cry and that you got to be tough and that you got to be the provider, like those aren't serving men any more than they're serving women in this culture. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think everybody's got these limiting beliefs. I think it's just more socially acceptable for women to identify and start to work through them. So when you start to work with a client, you know, what are some of the steps that you advise them that are absolute must do's in order to start to make some positive change in their lives? I think it really depends on the age of the people that I'm working with. And we've worked with people that are, you know, like there were 12 year old kids at my tour um, last year, there were 70, 80 year old women and men that came and hiked with us too. So we've touched a broad scope of ages, backgrounds, races, you know, all kinds of things. And I think ultimately like for the most, the majority of the people that I work with, the first thing I tell them is start to use social media more intentionally because we all know the power of social media to connect us, to bring us information that we didn't have before. Um, It's so powerful in so many ways. And and in just as many ways, it can be detrimental to our mental and physical health. So one of the things that I did and the example that I give for the people that I start working with is like, go through your newsfeed on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and like pay attention to what you're seeing and how that like resonates in your body. Because Mm. for me, my social media feed was causing me tons of anxiety. I was following a bunch of brands that, and a bunch of different accounts and a bunch of different influencers that were all trying to sell me this picture perfect image of what an outdoors woman looks like. And she was super skinny on the top of a mountain with her shirt off. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. 
but I didn't identify with that at the time. I was almost, I was over 200 pounds. I had like no confidence whatsoever. So I went through and I unfollowed everything that made me feel bad. And I started to use social media, specifically Instagram, as a way to find inspiration and a way to connect with people that are more like me. So as I followed plus size models and women of different races and gender expressions and abilities even, I was able to see a diverse body in my newsfeed. And as I saw that, then my opinion about my body started to shift because as I saw more people who looked like me, it was way less of a shameful experience to be scrolling through social media. And I I saw just how beautiful the human form is and started to recognize myself as beautiful. Mm. So first and foremost, start using social media more intentionally. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And those are great words of advice for anyone of any age, right? Especially in those formative years when yeah. you're, you're younger, right? And you, you have less of a, you know, a willpower and a, an internal knowledge of who you are. Um, talk about the, the ability for nature to help heal us and how, how can we, especially those of us who live in urban areas, best harness the power of nature for ourselves on a daily basis? Well, for me, the most healing part of being out in nature has happened for me in the backcountry where I'm disconnected from internet, cell phone, all the stuff. So there's no technology available to dis- like to distract me from what I'm experiencing. And it was in those moments that I was able to hear the voices inside my head, hear the things that I had been internalizing and start to work through them. For folks in urban environments, if you don't have the transportation available or you're just not close to anything like if you live in Chicago you're probably not going to go to Yosemite to go get away Mm. on a weekend but the good news is uh there are so many wonderful trail systems in like almost every major metropolitan area if you open there's a the, the app that we use to find the trails that we do on tour is called all trails and it uses your location to identify where trails are near you so you download the app allow it to see where your location is and then it pulls up trails in your proximity And specifically for people in urban areas, one of the initiatives that we're doing this year, a big fundraiser, is our 220-mile hike around Chicago where we're exploring just that. Like, we know we can get this healing in the backcountry. Can we find it on an urban backpacking trip? And Mm -hmm. that's one of our missions for this year is to start to identify that. And, of course, it's going to be a different experience for everybody. But that's a question I've been wondering for myself because I've been in and around cities for most of my life until I started spending more time outdoors. And I'm really curious as to the impacts for that on community health. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, being in Minneapolis, so for example, a beautiful outdoor community, right? Lots of green space, lots of water, but six months yes. out of the year, it's too dang cold to get out and enjoy it. So, um, and then we have, you know, the whole month of January where the sun never comes out. So I personally understand what happens when you're not out in nature, you're restricted from that. You know, I think those of us who live in the tundra certainly can feel that relationship with nature um, when we're able to get out in it versus when we're not, you know, it becomes very, very real for us. Um you know, you took the work that you did with Hiking My Feelings, the nonprofit, and you launched a book. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk about that book and uh, what you're hoping to achieve with it. So everybody stick around. More from Sydney Williams when we return after the break. First Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. 
Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Sydney Williams. She founded Hiking My Feelings to help people tap into the mind-body connection and the healing power of nature, especially after she had her own health crisis. She found out that she had a type 2 diabetes diagnosis. She has some other things she was struggling with. And this is all on the heels of being a competitive collegiate athlete and skydiver. Um, she took to the hills, if you will, of Catalina Island. Uh, two hikes and 80 miles later, she created Hiking My Feelings. And now Hiking My Feelings is a book. It's called Hiking My Feelings, Stepping Into the Healing Power of Nature. Sydney, congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. And so, you know, talk about why you developed a book, especially since you already had an organization. What was what were you hoping to achieve with the book? Well, the book is the written, expanded, heartfelt, come to the campfire, sit down, best friend in your pocket version of the storytelling events that we did last year. So I traveled the country last year with my husband going around and sharing the story that eventually became the book um, in an hour long format. And of course, I can't include all the wonderful stories and lessons and takeaways from these two experiences that I had on this island. So my goal with writing the book was to write the memoir that I always wanted to read and that most of the memoirs that I've read kind of leave you hanging. Like it's a wonderful <laughs> story and it's inspirational, but they never extract the lessons and the nitty gritty details that could help me integrate these things into my own life. So Hiking My Feelings, Stepping Into the Healing Power of Nature is primarily an adventure memoir. It uh, chronicles the two hikes that I did across Catalina Island and all the lessons learned along the way. And since some of the topics within are pretty heavy, um, 
we talk about suicide, we talk about sexual assault, we talk about cancer, we talk about friends dying, we talk about all kinds of things. Um, I wanted to give people an opportunity to get back into their body before they move to the back half of the book. So, mm. so the, the majority of the book is the memoir and the story. Read that all the way through, cry, laugh, scream, do whatever you need to do. And then we have this beautiful coloring page to like help you get up out of your head and back into your body. And then the back portion of the book is formatted like a journal and it's called Prompts for Reflection. And I take three to five questions that I actually ask myself over the course of my healing journey um, to extract these different lessons from the trail and give them to people in a way that they can integrate into their own lives, regardless of whether or not they have any desire to go hike a mile, 10 miles, a hundred miles, a thousand miles. Like you don't have to step foot on a trail. You don't have to be a hiker to identify with this book. It's, it's the hiking is the modality through which I heal, but the story is more about connecting the dots and blazing your own trail to radical self-love. Mm, mm. So I have to ask, do you still have limiting beliefs today or have you totally eradicated those? Oh, that's hilarious. I have <laughs> so many and I run up against them every day. <laughs> so how do you nip them I in the bud? Fun. I mean, how, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do when they pop up? Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like we're, we have, there's been this, like, I was, I always felt like one, if it doesn't come out of a doctor's mouth, it's not healing and it's not health, which doctors are incredible. And if I'm bleeding outside of a trail, I don't want somebody with a candle and a sage bundle to come help me. I want a surgeon. Right. But like when at the end of the day, what we need the most on this planet is to identify these stories that we're telling ourselves because ultimately the work that can happen as a result of reading this book going through the prompts um joining our read and reflect program which like dives even deeper into the lessons learned on the trail when we start doing this work for ourselves most of it has to happen by ourselves but as we start mm -hmm. on this journey of self-love we show up differently right like there are massive shifts that happen. We become our truest, most authentic selves. And we have a glow about us. Like I walk up to friends that I haven't seen in a while. They're like, hey girl, what's going on with you? And I'm like, self-love, doing the work, you know, like it's hard, but I'm, I am a better person because of it. And as a result of that, I show up in my community more authentically. People want to know what I'm doing. They start doing this work for themselves. And that is the ripple effect that we're always referring to is like, do it for yourself, impact that community that's immediately around you and then watch it spread. Like mm -hmm. if cancer can be as aggressive as it is with cells, there's no reason that positivity and doing this work and identifying our traumas and connecting the dots and moving through it can't be the same effect. Mm, so fascinating. So with all that being said, you are going on a storytelling tour again this year. Where can people find your itinerary for the tour? And then also where can they purchase your book? So you can find our itinerary for the tour at hikingmyfeelings.com slash events. That has everything we do online, group hikes, workshops, retreats, everything is there. And if you want to buy the book, you can get a signed copy at hikingmyfeelings.com slash book. You can also purchase it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, e all the e-reader formats, and you can request it from your local library, at your school, 
from your local bookstore. And if you want me to come to your town and do a little book signing and reading, hit me up because I would love to meet as many people as humanly possible on this next lap around the country. Love it. Love it. Well, congratulations on the book. Good luck on the, the year two of the tour. I am definitely I'm going to be definitely uh, meeting you in person when you come to Minnesota. So I've got to check out when that's scheduled. Um, we will welcome you with open arms. And thank you so much for taking time to share your story with us on Purse Strings today. Thank you so much, Maria. It's been wonderful. And a reminder, go to hikingmyfeelings.com to learn all that and more. And thank you to Sydney. Thank you to my producer, George. And join me again for another edition of Purse Strings right here. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.